Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. community that at one time had almost 3,000 individuals that lived there, and now it is down under 700. The next day, they call me, and Joe says, Roberta, we found um, an outhouse. They were able to re- recover some artifacts. Man, that was, I'm like, wow, oh, <laughs> we found them, we yeah. found them. Brooklyn, Illinois, holds a unique space on the list of historic places in the United States. Not only is it the oldest black incorporated town in the country, it is also one of the last ones remaining. Recently, Brooklyn was placed on a list made by Landmarks Illinois, and it's a list that identifies Brooklyn as a whole town, as one of the state's most endangered places. Roberta Rogers is co-founder and former president of the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois. She joins us today to talk about the rich history of the town, its challenges, and efforts underway to preserve that history and support its continued existence. Roberta, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you for providing this platform for us. I'm honored to be with you today. (laughs) Thank you. Now, Roberta, you co-founded the history, or I'm sorry, the the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois in 2007, and that was the year that your mother passed. She asked you to honor her by researching and remembering her history. Tell us what you learned about your mother in those early research days, Roberta, uh, beginning with how involved your mother, um, as well as your grandparents and other ancestors were in making Brooklyn what it is. Our family, uh, the Dale family, has had a presence in Brooklyn since 1910. My great-uncle Howard owned uh, property between Jefferson and Washington Street, 7th and 8th Street, and he was an entrepreneur, had a grocery store, um, whiskey distillery. And when my mother passed in 2007, of course, you know, as I said, she'd asked me to research her family history, and I, I ran across... After she passed, I ran across a commemorative book from Quinn Chapel that had a narrative of uh, Priscilla Baltimore leading 11 families, some free and some enslaved, from the state of Missouri to Illinois. And I went home and I began asking the elders about it. And they were like, yeah, Brooklyn is the <laughs> oldest um, black incorporated town and everything. So at the time, um, I taught, had an archaeological dig going on out on the outskirts of Brooklyn. And um, Ronnie Steele and I uh, were out there looking for the cemetery, and we stopped and talked with them. And to make a long story short, Ronnie Steele and I founded the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois. And with the help of ITARP, um, University of Illinois, and other archaeologists, we've uncovered a lot of Brooklyn's history. And, you know, honoring your mother, it could have been you know, personal or private effort. What was it that compelled you to start an organization, uh, the Historical Society? Well, as I learned more and more about Brooklyn's history, um, 
I just kept digging and digging and we made that connection with Joe Gallo of uh, ITARP and it seemed that they were just waiting for someone from Brooklyn to take an interest mm-hmm. in the history. And they were guiding, guiding me um, as to what to look for. Uh, archaeologists can't work with the living people. So Tom Emerson, who was head of ITARP at the time, he created a community outreach program so that they could help us through they could help Brooklyn through the uh, historical society because as I say, they can't work directly with the living people. Mm -hmm. So the help that we were receiving from them came through um, that community outreach program. And at one time I was coming home every three or four months going to Belleville, searching through records and um, so that we could establish the point where they settled I had to research um, land land ownership records, and through those records, we were able to pinpoint exactly where they settled at, and we named it Freedom Village. And um, ITARP came in and did an archaeological field study because we had to have them there physically. Right, and ITARP and is they the, were, I'm sorry, it's the Illinois Transportation um, Archaeological Research Program. <laughs> Right, right. They're, they've renamed it, the organization now is ISAS. Okay. ISIS. Okay. But anyway, they came in and they were doing archaeological digs and we weren't finding anything, you know, and I'm like, let me let me get on the line with the prayer warriors because we got to find them. Okay. So um, the next day they call me and Joe says, Roberta, we found um, an outhouse and they were able to re- recover some artifacts Man, that was, I'm like, wow, we found them. We found them. And they were, um, they came across all kind of little junk because, you know, they put junk in there to to fill an outhouse up the hole. But, you know, they were able to carbon date those artifacts and they went, they, they placed them there in the early 1830s. So that's, that's what we needed to begin the paperwork for um, Brooklyn to, um, well, not the town of Brooklyn, but that area, it's a district, it's called a historic district for them to begin the paperwork for um, historical designation. Right. Now, Robert White III is the current president of the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois, and he spoke with our producer, Aula Kuziz, about his work. And he said that he grew up in Brooklyn in the 1980s, a time when the town had a bad reputation related to the crack epidemic. And uh, Robert said that he's working to uplift the community through preservation because he's inspired by Brooklyn's history. Brooklyn is a place that is near and dear to my heart. I'm very interested in this work because Brooklyn really deserves uh, respect for being America's first black incorporated town. Really, the founders of Brooklyn were driven by a spirit of self-determination and set out to establish an intentional uh, community where they were supporting one another um, and they had a vision for freedom for not just themselves, but even for people like me. So we often hear about the likes of Harriet Tubman. But we don't hear about the stories of people like Mother Priscilla Baltimore, who had a vision and was able to get people, others to buy into that vision, um, and 
cross over the Mississippi River, which was a risky undertaking uh, during that time, leaving the slave state of Missouri and entering Illinois. And so um, that's very inspiring to me. Um, the fact that these people wanted a higher quality of life. They wanted their humanity respected and uh, just acknowledged is, is big to me. And so that's why I continue to engage in this work. Now, Robert White III there mentions Priscilla Baltimore, also known as Mother Priscilla, and how she led families into Brooklyn, Illinois. She was a, a fascinating woman who took up myriad roles. Roberta, briefly tell us what's known about her life. Well, there was a book written about Brooklyn, and in that book, she she wasn't portrayed uh, as she should have been. Uh, most of the credit was given to her husband, and I don't know why. But uh, Priscilla Baltimore purchased her husband's freedom, and she was in collaboration with Thomas Osborne. There was actually... Um, um, well, they platted the land, but there was also plans for businesses um, to be there to, to be there in Brooklyn. Like, um, but what happened that, as without most small t- black towns, they they didn't get the, that railroad connection. Mm-hmm. But she was she. If it had not been for Priscilla Baltimore, there would be no Brooklyn. Right. And we there's nothing in there in the town named after her or honoring her. And we were able to purchase a monument, and um, we were planning a um, memorial walkway to honor her with the monument and uh, plaques and memorial bricks to honor the founding families and past and present families of Brooklyn. But that was... um, it is. It was one of that was, many that was efforts. Uh, so we weren't able to uh, continue with that. Right. But that was one of the ways that we wanted to honor her was with that walkway because she has not been portrayed in history as she should be. Mm-hmm. And I think this gets to this point about the the other list that Brooklyn, Illinois, has recently been put on. And residents of Brooklyn understand the significance, the power of its history extending beyond the town's borders. I'd like to bring in someone else to this conversation who can attest to some of that. And that's Quinn Adamowski, who's Regional Advocacy Manager for Landmarks Illinois. And that's a Chicago-based nonprofit dedicated to historic preservation. Quinn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Quinn, your work at Landmarks Illinois involves advocating for and supporting preservation efforts in downstate Illinois communities. How was it that you first learned about the town of Brooklyn, and what was most interesting about it to you? The very first time I heard of Brooklyn was about a year ago. Um, I came across an article regarding the Quinn Chapel. Um, Did some initial outreach at the time but never really heard anything back in terms of, you know, we, we at Landmarks Illinois, we want to help you. We want to try to figure out a path forward to resolve some of the issues that you have at the church. Um, that's a lot of the work that we do, but we never heard back. And then in um, December of this past year, um, an application or nomination was put forward into our Most Endangered Historic Places program for Brooklyn, Illinois, um, specifically regarding Mother Priscilla Baltimore. 
Mm. And I read that and connected back to the convers- you know, to the article I read last summer and immediately reached out to, to Roberta and her colleagues with the Historical Society to try to get more information because it was just so fascinating to read um, that short history about Mother Baltimore and, and the, the impact that she had um, for ex-slaves in, in, that, in, the, in the region. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe now what the relationship is between your organization and the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois? That's a great question. So, you know, since the past December, we've had multiple um, Zoom calls, some phone calls, emails, and we work together to sort of really hone in on what what is the story behind Brooklyn being the most uh, most endangered site. And so, you know, we were able to work with the Historical Society. Um, we did some additional research that, um, you know, definitely underscored the research that they already did. And so since that time, really since the announcement in May um, listing, we've had a lot of discussions with media like this. We've had discussions with um, other entities and organizations, and we continue to have conversations with the Historical Society about how to best move Brooklyn forward. Um, you know, obviously the Historical Society is not government. We're not government. But Roberta mentioned um, during her segment a lot of the other organizations that are already involved um, before we were involved, right? And they deserve all the credit in the world for, for taking an interest in Brooklyn's history. And so we, we continue to have conversations about helping the Historical Society um, and others develop a long-term plan, you know, for Brooklyn, a reclamation plan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn's being classified as one of the most endangered places in Illinois state. I mean, in your line of work, it's usually buildings that fall into that category. How is it that the entire town of Brooklyn has been identified as being in jeopardy? Historic preservation, structures, buildings, right? All, all, all the things that we think about when we talk about preservation really, yes, oftentimes we look at a building and it's pretty and therefore it's, it should be saved. But really at the end of the day, the buildings and the structures, it's about the people, right? It's, it's, it's stories, the shared histories around those buildings. And Brooklyn, though a lot of its built environment is now gone, is a place of people, mm-hmm. and that that's the story. It's the story about the people at that site. So it's not so much, it's more, I would actually argue, more of an archaeological listing, mm. um, because we're looking at a, a community that at one time had almost 3,000 individuals that lived there, and now it is down under 700. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the super rich history that's there, and it, it there can only be one first-time majority black incorporated town, right? Right. And so we can't lose that history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also, as a, as a preservation organization, we take a deep interest in things like Route 66. And, in fact, there are no maps that we've been able to identify that have Brooklyn listed as a Route 66 stop. Uh. And 66 definitely went through Brooklyn. So in a lot of ways, the super important history of people is being ghosted. Mm-hmm. And that's why we chose to list it, because yeah. it, it's the entire community that, that is, is in peril. 
We're speaking with Quinn Adamowski, who's Regional Advocacy Manager for Landmarks Illinois, a Chicago-based nonprofit that is dedicated to historic preservation, and to Roberta Rogers, who's co-founder and former president of the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois. Roberta, uh, I understand Brooklyn, it has a reputation for its nightlife, and in particular, establishments that offer adult entertainment. And we certainly know that no community is about any one thing. So it's not just history, and it is not just uh, what it is uh, reputed for. And that there are many factors that go into how people come to per- uh, perceive a place. Now, you grew up in and lived in Brooklyn for many years of your life. Now, how would you describe the economic situation of the town, um, both past and present? In the in the past, Brooklyn was a um, community. Their employment was transit. Most of the um, men worked at the steel plants, the um, slaughterhouse in National City, and uh, some of the tanning uh, companies over in St. Louis. Right now, Brooklyn doesn't have any businesses other than the adult entertainment industry, and that is what they are depending on. What we were trying to do was to create green spaces that would encourage people to come to Brooklyn and create um, an economy for Brooklyn with uh, promoting the history. As I said, we had um, had a, a monument um, desi- uh, constructed and we were going to do a memorial walkway. And we have other green spaces where we were in collaborating with um, Nolan Stoltz of Route 66 and some other organizations where we could bring in the arts, uh, students could do murals because as Nolan said, you know, not only just being on Route 66, but if you have something for people to see, to engage in, right now all Brooklyn has is a Quinn Chapel Church. Mm. Well, just visiting the church isn't gonna produce any revenue for this for the village. But if these green spaces, if we were allowed to uh, create them, if we had been allowed to continue with the um, memorial walkway, uh, the village could have um, came up with ways to uh, um, pr- um, make pr- to, 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 to make money from that. They could charge parking. They have a little van. They could take people on, you know, a tour of the sites. They could offer them food for sale, you know, so that they, they have to take advantage. They could have taken advantage of the opportunities that we were trying to present for them. But like I said, you know, um, as it stands now, uh, the only economy they have is the um, the adult entertainment industry up the clubs up there. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to force us to put the uh, memorial walkway up there, I guess, to promote those clubs, but that's not happening. Right. So obviously when there are a lot of people involved, there are many conversations that have to happen. You have to come to um, some consensus. Now, Quinn, you've helped many communities preserve their history. From your perspective, what would it take to get Brooklyn off the list of most endangered places in the coming months and years? Now, that's a wonderful question. Um, and, and actually, we don't, as an organization, we don't take things off the list. Right. I mean, I, I guess uh, you can make the case that some things have been taken off because they've been saved, but sort of being on the list is just being on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the question is, what, 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 what is the 
end result to save Brooklyn, right? And I think the, the answer to that question um, is unknown. Right. I think that what what needs to happen, um, and we've talked, we've had conversations with Roberta and others with the Historical Society, and I have had these same conversations with, with the mayor um, and the pastor of Glen Chapel, is that, you know, everybody has an interest in seeing Brooklyn revitalized. Quinn Adamowski is a regional advocacy manager for Landmarks Illinois, Chicago-based nonprofit dedicated to historic preservation, and Roberta Rogers is co-founder and former president of the Historical Society of Brooklyn, Illinois. Roberta and Quinn, thank you so much for making time to join us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Today's segment was produced by Aula Kuziz. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.